men. We are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. For those of you that have been listening to the series on dreams, um, I want to let you know some good news and some not so great news. And that is the good news is that we are going to continue the series on dreams. That's not going away. There are still a couple more that we actually want to do to expand on the ideas and the concepts around that. The not so good news is that is going to be put on pause for now because after thinking about it and really talking to a few people, I feel like it's more important to have conversations that help men for where we are right now as a society. And while dreams are important, they're a passion of mine, you spend a lot of your time sleeping, etc. that passion doesn't necessarily apply across the board for all men. Where today, my guest, which is also my brother, we are going to be talking about something that is universal, which is building a culture of vulnerability. Why is that important? And quite frankly, how the hell do you do it? And so if you've enjoyed the dream series, know that there is going to be more episodes coming down the pipeline, but that is put on pause for now so that we can dive into, given everything that's going on in our world today, how do we as men build relationships that have vulnerability interwoven in them? Because now more than ever, we need the depth that that offers, that vulnerability unlocks for us men. We need it. So today, we are diving into how do you build a culture of vulnerability? As always, if you have not already, my ask to you is that you pause this, go ahead and leave a reply, and let me know how these episodes have impacted you. And for those of you who have not subscribed yet, I know that there are a chunk of you, my analytics show that about 42% of my listeners are not subscribed. So if that's you, please go ahead and pause it, hit the subscribe button so that way you don't miss out on future episodes. Okay, let's go ahead and get started on how to build a culture of vulnerability. So today is yet another special day because, uh, you know, the last few guests that we've had on have all been significant to me in one way or another, and you can't get much more significant than a family member. And so today we actually have Jeremy Searbaugh, who is my youngest brother. I've got three brothers. He is my youngest. Um, he has done a variety of things, which we are going to get into today. But the reason why I have him on today is just because out of the variety of depth that he has to offer in who he is, the thing that stands out to me about him is his ability to cultivate vulnerability. And what I mean by that is he has a, a community that has a depth in relationship that quite frankly, I have not come across more than maybe once or twice in my life. And 
my heart is to offer something to you guys of value. And I can't think of anything more valuable than this conversation when it comes to vulnerability. So without further ado, Jeremy, nice to meet you. Not really meet Yo. you. <laughs> What's up, man? Um, well, for starters, is there anything that you want to say to the audience just in general before we kick things off? In starters, I think the fact that whomever you are, you're listening to this right now already sets you uh, better than 50% in terms of pursuing excellence, pursuing health and life. The fact that you're, you're, you're pursuing a, a healthy masculinity podcast it already tells me, you know, I'm talking to the right people. I'm, I'm speaking the language of people that are going to get it that hopefully they can take something from our conversation and apply it to their world and their circle. Yeah. Um, so I, that makes me hopeful for taking some time to hit record and have a chat between brothers, because I think the men that are listening to this right now, and even women will be able to quickly translate to their own worlds. And to me, that's like, that's worth my time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pumped for it. So my first question is, you know, vulnerability in the last couple of years really has kind of somewhat become a buzzword in certain circles. Um, but I, my question within that is, why is it so attractive, meaning it's become a buzzword, but mm -hmm. at the same time, so scary? Like what's so scary about vulnerability for men? Somewhere along the lines, vulnerability got a really bad rap. It got paired with men it got paired with like weakness and yeah a myriad of other negative words like you know don't cry and all this stuff and so i think the lack of understanding of what true vulnerability is 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 scary for men um and you know some of the strongest men i know the ones i look up to the most the ones i respect the most who lead and take authority and protect and guide are at the same time some of the most vulnerable vulnerable men I know. So powerful and strong, yet they still yeah, lead and protect and care. It's not weakness. So yeah. I think why it's such a buzzword and why it is powerful and why it's something to pursue as a person and pursue in community and pursue in your marriage, et cetera, I would put vulnerability and authenticity as like best friends. And people okay. love authenticity. So if I'm being really authentic, I'm probably being quite vulnerable about where I am at in life and how yeah. I'm feeling and how I'm feeling. And sometimes that means being very vulnerable about maybe my successes or where I'm doing really well. Like that takes a level of vulnerability. So it's not just I'm, you know, scared or like some something like this. It's like sometimes some areas of my life that I'm, I'm doing a really good job and it takes some vulnerability for me to talk about it with people and, and share my successes with people. And because maybe I won't hit the mark every time or maybe I'll fail. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the, probably the elevator speech. So you just hit on something that's really interesting that I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper on. And that is the whole piece of the, the strength of vulnerability, but specifically within that, as far as what you said in the sense of it can feel really vulnerable to celebrate the good, to, to mm -hmm. almost um, let yourself be cheered on by other men. Yeah. And, 
you know, just how that can feel scary or not applicable to the relationship or whatever it may be. Um, I, I think that at least in the circles that I run in and the friends that I have, and I know the friends that you have, it's, it's almost like we've learned how to risk, you know, risk is defined by letting people into your weakness in, in the sense of those weak moments, those moments I'm scared or whatever it may be. But, um, how can you, how do you balance being authentic and vulnerable and let people celebrate you at the same time, not be proud. Yeah. It's definitely a tension at the very beginning of this year. I set out to run a half marathon and the half marathon wasn't the goal. The goal was I lean towards passivity. And if I'm not careful, passivity will eat my lunch. And I wanted to do something. Does it taste that, good? No, it's bitter and disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so I wanted to do something that kind of gave a giant middle finger to passivity in my life. So I thought, okay, let me pick up a, a length of running I've never run before, which for me was a half marathon. And not just do, I mean, I could go the miles if I needed to. I could run, walk 13 miles. It wasn't about that. Um, it was about, well, let me do a training to work my way up to it. And let me stick to that training every day if I could. And so it was very vulnerable for me to share with my guy friends on this date, I'm going to run a half marathon. And I actually mm -hmm. want to invite you guys to do it with me. And they were all about it and yes and amen. Um, but what was more vulnerable was being really honest with them about the training process because that's why I was doing it. So the days that I didn't want to or just straight up didn't do it. And also the days I like, guys, I freaking crushed it and it was so much fun. Um, and like, oh, this is what I'm learning in it, et cetera. But I think it was vulnerable. So it, this is like a very positive thing. Like I picked the half marathon and I worked my way up to it and I ran it. But it's like, what if I don't do it? What if I say I'm going to do something and don't follow through? And also, like, it feels for me kind of vulnerable to also that day that I did it and achieved it. It felt awesome. It was a ton of fun. It was a big crescendo of, like, me falling through with something. Um, and then a couple of my guys came out because of COVID. It got canceled. But I said... F you passivity. I'm doing it anyway. I just ran up the road awesome. 13 miles and back. And some of my buddies came out, did it with me. And yeah, as I think about sitting around my fire that night, it felt somehow vulnerable to achieve this thing and to be kind of public with it. Um, it wasn't a, Hey, look at me, look how awesome I am. It was my friends celebrating with me that I chose to do something hard mm. and positive and follow through on it. Um, so one of my best friends, Jeremy is running a half marathon in every state over the next three months, raising money to go over to Indonesia wow. long-term. And he shared, uh, with me and on online on his Instagram account, like how scary it is to put this goal out there. And he's living out of his van for the next three months and is going to do it. And like, what if I get hurt? What if I, um, can't what if i what if people don't join like he wants people to join with them and he wants to raise money what if i don't raise the money like 
it's this really cool, exciting thing. He's not braggadocious about it. He's like, actually, I'm pumped for myself that I'm doing this and I'm pumped for him. But it's kind of vulnerable to put yourself out there and it's scary. So yeah, yeah. It's not just I failed or I um am struggling with this. Like those are that is vulnerable and beautiful. But yeah, the positive side too, the successes is equally as vulnerable. So I don't have to talk a lot about the you, you can sniff out cockiness a mile away. You can tell when someone's mm-hmm. being cockney and hey, look at me, look what I accomplished versus sure hey, join me. Um so yeah. Yeah, I think there's a couple interesting points you hit on there. One is the whole aspect of community, right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people get caught up in moving into pride when they don't have the relationships that help them stay grounded. So an intricate part of that tension is balancing community as part of the celebration, as part of the challenge, as part of the process. So I love that. It's there's another thing that it might seem like it's not connected, but actually I think your your friend's example as far as what he's doing is a is a perfect segue to this question. Uh, if I actually was torn between two topics mm-hmm. to talk about with you, that was a lot of teas in a row. But but um, and that was whether to talk about vulnerability or talk about the need for adventure. Because I, I would say that's another one of your pillars. I mean, obviously, we talk about it often. It's more important to buy memories than it is to buy stuff in the sense of where you spend your money, that kind of stuff. We have a trip to Nicaragua, nine days, hopped on a motorcycle all over the country, climbed volcanoes. Like it was just, it was that. It was a memory that was adventurous. Um, but segue from just the adventure piece or maybe to tie it into the conversation how does kind of like your friend who is you know i'm i'm doing this i'm going for it it's vulnerable but there's also a big adventure component or piece to that vulnerability mm-hmm. so how does vulnerability or can you give us some advance some examples of how vulnerability and adventure can and quite frankly should go together yeah um they do go together and in the in the, in the vein of, of community and friendship and building healthy masculine relationships probably one of my my biggest pieces of advice of how like how can you build really great authentic relationships with men would be going on adventures and honestly adventures doesn't have to be like we did a big one. You know, we did that motorcycle trip in the garage. About <laughs> yeah, sure. Awesome. But like, even just like, let's go, let's go hike in three hours and camp together as men. And like, let's have a shared experience is probably the bigger for me. The bigger thing yeah. is do shared experiences versus do big adventures. Adventures are great, but just yeah. Shared experiences together um, really do. I think especially connect men where you can have these memories that you can build on. And, um, you know, I, I've met with the same group of guys every Monday night for years now, but some of our best memories are the moments when we like went to my buddy's, um, parents ranch out in Texas, which you were part of that too. And just having these moments together that you remember and that you mark, um, an adventure doesn't have to be 
expensive. It's it's never convenient, especially for men in their 30s, 40s who have children. Like it's never a convenient time to take the yeah, weekend. That's a great point. But um, it's always worth it. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my buddies and I decided actually sending off my buddy Jeremy. He's doing his half marathons all across the country. Um, and then moving to Indonesia, we're kind of a, a farewell to him was we decided to get dropped off in Asheville, North Carolina and ride our bikes back home, which is Gainesville, Georgia. Okay. And none of us are like avid cyclists, but, and it, you know, it costs us a couple motel stays and food for three days. And that's something we're going to remember the, the rest of our lives, overcoming yeah. challenges and hitchhiking and causing a car accident and, uh, injuring Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. popping tires, yeah. and, <laughs> uh, causing car accidents. You got it. That's a little bit dramatic. We were on the side of a mountain road and a car slammed on his brakes to back up and help us. And it caused a a fender better. But yeah, technically we did cause a car accident and the cops came. So yeah, it's just stuff like that, that, that we will remember. Your original question was how does vulnerability adventure tie in? Um, I mean, on that bike trip day two of three days, we woke up early gearing up. I think we all, kind of confess to having butterflies in our stomach that day as there was just a ton of unknown. It was going to be some of the biggest climbs of the trip on that second day. And we were like, are we going to be okay? Are we going to make it? Like, how's my body going to do? I'm tired. My butt hurts from yesterday. And it, it was vulnerable to be in that position together. Of like, will we make it? And what will happen? And we don't know. Um, so yeah, adventure is vulnerable and um overcoming obstacles almost every adventure i've been on with people you know you have to problem solve and overcome and lean on each other and you see you see really authentic sides of people um when you're biking across the country or camping that you don't see when you're just watching a movie or playing poker and talking about sports you know like those are good too but yeah well i mean for the record Playing poker is an important part. And I'm, <laughs> I'm holding up to the camera here a little poker trophy that I have from my group of guy friends. Nice. That uh, We have a revolving trophy for the person that wins for that week. I love it. And uh, I happen to have it at my house. But I, I agree. I think there's, there's a couple things because there are times where poker nights can have those moments. But it's, I agree with you 100% where the vulnerability normally shows up. When it's something that is, and maybe adventure was the wrong word to use, but it's outside the norm. Mm -hmm. So then that can be broader as far as like what you said with the shared experience. It's, it's not your normal day to day rut routine, or even like for you and your friends, if you've been meeting for years, a norm or a normal could be meeting every Monday night. Mm -hmm. And so what does outside the norm look like for where your relationship is with somebody or a group of people? Yeah, I think it's an important thing to to weigh because outside the norm could be starting a small group of guys that meet every Monday night. Yeah, versus you know, riding a bike for a hundred and whatever, hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty miles in three days. Yeah. And I think there's another big component where I've noticed even with my kids, especially my oldest son, where if especially us guys, if we are busy doing something, that all of a sudden we're not. We're not sitting down going, how's your heart? Tell me right now. Like, I'm, I'm here for you. Cry, don't cry. And 
if you're doing something, doesn't matter what it is, playing catch with a baseball or building a fire or camping, just something that is engaging something else other than talking about that vulnerable side of you. Yeah. A lot of times, I don't know what it is. It's it's like it lowers the 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 guards that we normally have up as men yeah. and engages our mind, which we normally use to protect our heart. To then all of a sudden let the honest part of ourselves be seen, obviously for those that we've cultivated history and trust and relationship with. Oh, yep. Now that said, all of this sounds great, right? I'm sure there's got to be some people that are saying, okay, great, Josh, Jeremy, seems like you guys have done that to a degree. That's awesome. But, and I hear this often, especially with clients, which is where I live or where I am in life, I just don't have that. I just don't have guy friends. I just don't naturally make friends easily, or I don't easily make friends. Or um, the guys that I know wouldn't know what to do with vulnerability. Kind of those common thing, common default responses that are somewhat, sometimes they're convenient excuses for you to not be vulnerable. Sometimes they're semi-legitimate given your, given your circumstances. Um, but for those men specifically that say, you know what, I, this conversation at, on one hand sounds great. On the other hand, almost feels discouraging because I don't have what Jeremy has and I don't even know where to start to try to get what Jeremy has. What would you say to those guys that really need to either either step it up a level in vulnerability or just engage in relationship differently than they have been to begin to cultivate that, that community of men around them. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, I would probably challenge you and say, how bad do you want it? You know, stop making excuses and, and put yourself out there and join a small group, join to this, you know, go out for that. Like, I don't know, like it's going to take work. And even I, personally have it laid out in front of me like i've cultivated in a beautiful way to some degree but even on monday nights the path of least resistance is for us to kind of just tinker around the fire and talk about work and not really go after it it mm. still takes energy emotional and mental energy to do the engaging conversation that i know i actually want yeah but it takes effort and it's the table set before me and i still don't want to eat every time you know yeah, so yeah. if you don't even have the table set before you yeah that's tough you're not going to be sitting around a fire with three guys asking how's your heart and then planning on a bike trip next week it took me you know months and hours and years to get to a place where that's where we landed but yeah um what can you do so everyone in life you're dealt you're dealt some cards well how are you going to play those cards and um Okay, you don't have a you don't have a group of guys. What do you got to do to get that? Oh, it's COVID, so nobody can really even meet right now. Okay, well, what are you going to do about that? What can you do? Who can you reach out to? My guy, you know, all the friend guys in my circle just talk about farts and sports, and no one says anything of substance. Okay, we'll find some new friends, or be or be strong enough to ask a really challenging question. And see if there's one or two guys that meet you there and are waiting yeah. for someone to set the tone and break the culture. Yes. Yes. You know? So why don't you start there? And if that doesn't work, go find some new friends. You're a sum total of your five closest friends. 
So you look at your the five closest guys and even gals around you in life that are uh, near you, spending time with you, and that's that's who you become. So if you don't like the guys that are around you, maybe you find some different ones. But there might be some hidden gems around you that are waiting for someone to like you to to lead the conversation, to ask the question. And, um, you know, human nature is we want it and we want it now. If you're starting from a bit of a ground zero, be okay with with if all you guys talk about is you play poker, which is awesome and, and actually kind of a shared experience for a lot of guys and great. And after yeah. poker, you ask, where's everyone failing and succeeding at work right now? Like, I would think that's like not a very vulnerable question at all. But for guys who never talk really personally, that is quite vulnerable. And yeah, see where the conversation goes. So stop making excuses and fight for it. You know, treat it like a part time job, creating some really great friendships. Um, you know, do the pursuing do the planning, you know, maybe you got a group of guys, plan a camping trip, um, invite them over. Don't wait for them to invite you back. Just invite them again. Um, yeah, stop making excuses and go after it. You can do it. It's going to be difficult for sure and not easy for sure. And that's, but it's, to me, it's worth it. You need yeah. to measure that within yourself if this is going to be worth it, but it definitely will take time to cultivate and create, but it's, it's for sure worth it. Yeah. I love that, Jeremy. I really do. It's because I, I know that we've talked about it several times, but our our dad is not a proactive man in, in a lot of ways. He has great attributes, great qualities to him, but he's not the most proactive. And so even what you said earlier is in the sense of punching passivity and going after it and all of that, yeah. that that's something that I've even had to fight. And I, I hate the excuse that it's just, oh, well, women are naturally good at relationships and men aren't because it's uh, it's one that I hear way too often. And quite frankly, I've used it myself in the past. It's just really convenient. Right. Mm -hmm. And I actually have um, you sent me a PDF. So for those of you that say, OK, great. Jeremy just gave me one question to ask. Uh, I, I'm not going to ask the how's your heart question because the guys don't know what to do with that. Uh, he sent me a PDF, gosh, what was it, Jeremy? Maybe nine months ago, a year ago, of a thousand and one questions to ask. And they progressively get harder um, or more intimate or more thought provoking. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, you know, I don't remember the question off the top of my head, but it's like, number one is, what do you think of the weather? And Number 1001 is what's the meaning of life, you know, and everything from either spectrum. So I'm going to add a link to that in the show notes for those of you that are interested and just say, I don't even know what questions to ask. Well, we're going to remove that excuse, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have a thousand and one questions to ask that you can uh, download and take a look at or pass along to a friend. Um, with for, for men that are, um, they're in this journey of cultivating relationship. They say, I hear you, Jeremy. It's, it is something that I want to fight for. I feel afraid to fight for it, but I'm going to do it. Um, what would you say to those men who are, are kind of at that tipping point of wanting to dive deeper? But let's be honest, like it, it is scary. It is intimidating to, to be that man that kind of chooses to lead other men 
And in the sense of not necessarily, hey, let's go charge that hill, but lead other men in the sense of asking, initiating those questions. I, I've seen you do it in so many different settings where we are all sitting around dinner just talking and then you drop a question that just changes the conversation. That's something that you have definitely cultivated, but it's also something that's not natural um, for anyone that I know of to do it in the way that you do it. So for those that feel like, hey, that's great that you've done it and been able to do it, um, what would you say to them that that would help move them into that tipping point of just saying, oh, you know what? Screw it. I I'm just going to try and I'm going to see... I'm going to see if there are those men that want to respond that way, because I've, I'd be willing to bet in every for every guy listening, you have at least one other guy. And that's really all you need to start that is waiting for some other man to lead by example totally. and to initiate with that vulnerability. So what would you say to them? How do you want to be remembered in life? Like if you die tomorrow, what are people going to say about you? Do you want to be a man that actually takes life and and the the beauty and the highs and lows and the vulnerability and hardships of life and you're a leader and you set the you, you like show up you emotionally you spiritually you physically show up to life that to me is a man who asks great questions is a man who shows up to life and mm. and changes the the conversation and you walk into work and people are gossiping about the boss and you have enough courage to change the conversation or to walk away and there's, I, I guarantee you, there's, there's men around you that are itching for that leadership. You might get rejected. So what? Um, you, you might stumble over your words or ask a wrong question. So what? And if you, it, you know, pulling the whole cliche, if you die tomorrow, but it's so true. If you died tomorrow, what would people say about you at their funeral, at your funeral? You know, like, how would they remember you? Would they remember yeah. you as a guy who just kind of dinked along and, kind of hid in the shadows and did, did just enough to not get noticed and just kind of kept his head down and, or like a man who had convictions and stood up for what he believed in and, and, and drew other men into a place of strength and vulnerability. Um, my wife and other female friends of mine would say like, when they see me and my guys get together, there's like, the strength there. I think yeah. women and the world are attracted to men who are linking arms with other men and yeah. being honest and vulnerable and going on adventures and sharing, you know, super deep around the fire like we do on Monday nights. Like that's attractive to them. They're like, what are you guys talking about? And what do you guys do? Like they're, they're curious about our group <laughs> and like what we're about and whatever, because it, it's, it's attractive. So um, I guess what I would say is similar, like don't make excuses and just do it. Like what the worst case scenario to me is not that bad. The worst case scenario is you lose some of your friends who, who are able to, to run with you at that level. And honestly, that's dramatic. You might not even have to lose your friends. You just don't have to give them your full time. And you don't, you know, you can still have friends that have varying levels of, of male friendships. You know, I, yeah, I have yeah. a couple that I, uh, go super deep with and they know everything about me and they know my failures and my successes. And, um, and then I've got second and third tier friendships that I'm cordial and kind with and update how my family's doing, but they're not getting all of my vulnerability. Sure. So yeah. anyway, 
yeah, just freaking go after it, man. What are you waiting for? <laughs> That's it. awesome. I love that. Go. I, I would add to that. It just as far as like the, the tiers of relationship, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that is also because I've, as you know, I have moved a fair bit in my lifetime. Yeah. You know, I've lived in, we grew up in the Midwest. I lived in Pennsylvania, Florida, California, Texas. Um, and, and so in that it can also be, there are, because what I've seen happen with people is they say, okay, this is my kind of core that I run with and it becomes immovable or it's like locked in stone, but understand too, that relationships are fluid. And there are times I know that when I had kids, all of a sudden there were certain guys that the relationship changed because we didn't have as much in common. They were still great guys. They still, I still liked them as friends, all of that. But the depth of the relationship couldn't, didn't have that same compatibility because just where we are in life is changed. And the same is true for moving. I have some really close friends from, you know, years of cultivating relationship in California. And I, I talked to them periodically. I just went out there to shoot a three day, uh, three day video shoot for a dream interpretation course that's launching here in a little bit. And uh, just to connect with them and hang out with them. It was so much fun. But then I also, because now I'm in Texas, I am I'm having to cultivate or kind of rebuild a community here in relationship. It's not that I throw those away, but understand too that it is fluid. It, it ebbs and flows given where you are in life physically, as well as just where you are in life and the journey of life too. Yeah. Yeah. How did, let me ask you a question. How did you yeah. go from... Marine Corps, don't cry, martial arts instructor, super shut down to your emotions and vulnerability was for sure equal to weakness. Yeah, and totally. Wussy, whatever, to this whole picture of a man who values and sees the strength and vulnerability. So obviously that's a huge story and whatever, yeah. but I guess specifically vulnerability, you know, as a Marine you know, corporal vulnerability is weakness. Now, as a man in your thirties who's successful and a dad, et cetera, who values your Marine Corps experience, but you're like, Nope, I was wrong. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's strength. Yeah. Was there a moment or a person like, how did you bridge those two extremes? Um, that is a four hour answer, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think if I were to give a two minute answer, the, the short version would be that, um, you know, I, I often say growing up, I don't recall many conversations around sex, money, or emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and so it just wasn't talked about. And then obviously going in the Marines, it, it just kind of further reiterated emo- any kind of emotion other than rage is rage is like the only accessible emotion, right? A- anything else is weakness. Mm-hmm. And so I basically used that after I got out of the Marines, I think there was two kind of pivotal moments in my life after the Marine Corps that did that. One was a few weeks after the Marines. Um, I had, I actually had dinner with a girl I had a crush on and she challenged me about, uh, said that I was running away from God. And I was like, Marine Corps martial arts instructor. I don't run away from anybody, you know, and driving home from that, I realized, holy cow, I actually have been, I, I, 
told friends in the Marines, I hate God. You know, I wanted nothing to do with him. Really, I was hurt by my dad and I imposed that onto my God. But, mm -hmm. um, and so then I, that started a spiritual journey for me that kind of laid a foundation and softened my heart in a lot of ways in, in certain ways it softened my heart, but it didn't connect me to my heart. And, um, and so that kind of started this journey of, I went around to family members that I felt like I hurt as far as the way that I acted out as a kid and apologized and all of that and ended up in Africa for nine months as part of that spiritual mm -hmm. journey. Um, but even within that, so there's a spiritual component and then there was the emotional component of it, which was I had done all of that, a bunch of other things too. But then there was a moment when I was in California that I had spent myself, like everything I had in me to launch this company with a couple other people. And we spent a year building it and we launched it and it didn't work. I mean, and we lost a ton of money. Uh, we basically lived off of our savings as well as the, you know, significant investment that was put into the company. And I basically burnt myself out in that. At the same time, I was addicted to looking at porn, just coping and managing. Um, I was actually going to, so I was building this company and launching it, going to a ministry school um, in Redding, California, which is just, it was like another evolution in my spiritual journey. And at the same time was checked out, kind of shut down to my wife at the time, um, be began, began to get shut down to just other relationships because I just didn't have the capacity. Mm -hmm. And then when it didn't work, it didn't launch. I, I just hit my, one of my rock bottoms. <laughs> I don't think that there's one rock bottom that can turn you around. Uh, for me, it was in that moment, I had Blair, who was just a guest on a couple episodes previously. He randomly reached out to me the week that that company launched and crashed and just said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I uh, just wondered if you wanted to grab lunch. And we had one business meeting like a year before that. And he just literally just thought of me in that moment. And we had lunch. Um, and really what it was is in that lunch, I was desperate. I was broken. I was broken down. I was like, man, I, I literally don't know what to do. I gave everything I had to this company. And he's like, well, I don't have the answer to that, but there is a men's group that I go to that meets every Monday night must be a thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're more than welcome to come if you want. And, and I was just at this place of desperation where I just said, okay, I'll do it. And that was, that's what I would say was really what began the, the emotional journey side of me mm -hmm. where I started meet, I met with a guy every week for nine months and it was largely what's going on internally. And until that time it was, I don't meet with a counselor or a life coach or life consultant. I'll listen to CDs. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll take courses. I'm not meeting with somebody. I'm not sitting. I literally sat down in my first session with this guy and I just said, okay, uh, so-and-so recommended me. So I trust you. Um, my time is valuable. So, um, I'm paying you this much and we have 45 minutes left. So I'm curious as to what you're going to do with the information I just gave you. <laughs> and he literally just sat there for probably like a good 30 seconds of awkward silence. And it was the first time I had slowed down enough to feel anything. And, um, and I just started crying 
and then didn't stop in certain ways off and on for, for months because of the backlog of suppression that I had created. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I would attribute it to really those two times in my life where I can point back to and say it took those two extremes um, to really shift my internal direction to point me to where I am today. Do people have to hit rock bottoms to become emotionally aware and choose vulnerability? Absolutely. hundred percent. It's the only way through the door. (laughs) No, I, I mean, my hope is that more people will learn from, you know, learn from my mistake, not to sound like a marketer, but it really is. That's why I launched this podcast. There's a couple reasons why, but that was one of them was, you know, if there is one or two guys that listen to it and learn how to ask hard questions or connect to their heart or realizing that they're chasing the wrong definition of success or begin to integrate dreams into their life or what, whatever it may be that from what I have learned from, I think if you choose like anything in life, but if you choose to make it a priority and implement it and really integrate it, you don't have to hit rock bottom to make it a pivot point. I think you can, you can choose to make it, make a conscious decision internally to shift and then over time to begin to peel back the layers that you have built either around your heart or your internal paradigm that has you going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yep. So one last question, you're actually the first guest that I'm going to ask this question to, but I'm actually going to start asking every guest this question. Okay. And well, actually we're going to have a series uh where i have four or five women that are going to be on so i want to talk about masculinity from a female's perspective so i won't be able to ask the same question but uh for you and for the men that i have on as guests Mm -hmm. as a man for where you are today what what's one thing that you wish you knew related to masculinity Mm -hmm. 10 years ago Hmm. i'm 33 so when i was 23 I think I wish I knew that me taking care of myself physically, emotionally, spiritually was the number one thing um, that I could do to make me a healthier version of myself for my wife, for my community, for people around me. I, um, a little bit with the passivity vein, you know, would be everything for everyone, would probably be a bit of a doormat, would take care of myself last and it was all just false humility it was it was it was ego hidden and hey look at me i'm so kind i i will i will have no boundaries in my schedule or life i'll say yes to every chance to go help someone move or fill in for this or fill in for that Mm. and i think i just wish i knew that if i had better boundaries if i took care of my and like in a weird way, like prioritize myself, like in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, that that would have really helped me level up and be a really healthy masculine presence in mm. my marriage and in my French and even at work. Um, there's some men I know that I would almost give the opposite advice to like get out of your navel gazing and show <laughs> up for people. You're not that important. So it's a nuanced answer. You need to kind of know yeah, where you sure. are on the spectrum. But yeah. for me, um, I looked really good on the outside and I was so helpful. If you know Enneagram, um, I'm a classic two, the need to be okay. needed. 
and I was uh, at 23, a really unhealthy version of a two. Okay. And uh, now I'm a much more well-rounded version of a, a yeah. two. So, um, yeah, and obviously still definitely learning that and ironing those kinks out for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, even even now in this amidst of this pandemic we're in, I'm presently working from home again a bunch because there's a small outbreak around us and uh you know i i've I got got small kids at home i've got a wife and i'm the last couple of weeks every day i've been in the middle of the day when i really have lots of other things you know people little eyeballs looking at me that i could be with i'm yeah. choosing to go on these runs every day on my lunch break and I know it look it can it could look selfish to people, but it is actually the most selfless thing I could do because I am a better man. I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband when I have these moments of taking care of myself. Yeah. So, uh, so ten years later, it's still hard for me. It's not the path of like the the natural path. It's still yeah. a very much a choice. So, yep. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, well. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I know that I know that you would do it because you're a two and you love me. But <laughs> thanks for needing me. I need to be needed. <laughs> no, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time and for what you shared. Um, for those who don't know, I guess one thing I didn't point in my inter- introduction is: um, can you just take thirty seconds and share what it is that you do for a living and? Oh. Um, how people can support you in what you do for a living. Yeah. Uh, about a decade ago, I went on this mission trip called the world race. It was 11 countries in 11 months and uh, had the time of my life, opened my eyes in a lot of very positive ways. Um, and I've been with them ever since in multiple different capacities. It, And now I get to spend my days helping Gen Z wake up to a kingdom way of life and when statistics are very bad about Gen Z walking away from God and the church, you know, we get the opportunity, you know, every year hundreds of them are knocking on our door saying, Hey, send me, I, I want to go. I, I want to have an experience. And so we're a mission organization, but we're honestly primarily a discipleship organization. So okay, um, we take men and women on adventures and shared experiences and teach them how to be vulnerable. And we're doing it with, um, I'm, I'm presently overseeing our college age and high school stuff. So I'm doing it with 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds and teaching them the voice, how to hear God's voice and how to cultivate community and how to serve and get outside their, their immediate worlds. And it's, yeah, it's really exciting to be a part of. And as of recent, we've shifted almost all of our efforts towards America and it's been really fun to see see a ton of results and fruit and people finding God still and finding community in the, in the midst of American cultures we put them in instead of like the, the norm, the norm for us being overseas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, am that just really privileged and honored to, to be able to give my, my hours and my days to something to, to me that's super meaningful. So that's what I do for a living. Um, yeah, I do raise money, part of my salary. So if you're interested in supporting me, help Gen Z live a kingdom way of life, um, Josh can maybe put something in the show notes to, 
yeah yeah we'll put a we'll put a direct link so that people can if they want to do a one-off or you know i mean i know i know that for you consistency in that so if you want to commit even just 10 bucks a month it makes a big difference for you i mean you've got three small kids and you're actually raising money while living in the united states with a family. So I really admire that part of you. So we'll add a note. Uh, so there's going to be a couple links within the show notes. One will be to the PDF with the, the thousand questions, thousand and one questions. And then another will be if you you know really felt, even if you got one thing from this podcast episode, um, as I would ask as a thank you, give Jeremy five bucks and just say, I want to take you out to coffee. Um, or coffee's on me. Uh, or if you want to give a thousand dollars, that's great too. But I think a small something for his time and for the the years of depth and wisdom that he has cultivated and shared would be uh, a very giving gesture. So um, again, Jeremy, thank you. Love you. And uh, I'm sure I'll either you'll be at my house soon or I'll be at your house soon one way or the other. Every year we've made a commitment. We haven't missed it yet. (laughs) All right. Bye.